because that is why we are here. That is the hope that we have. So I'm going to start. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the presence. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. The men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? You guys ready? Here we go. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Let's go.
Easter season, I oftentimes think about how Jesus knew what he knew and still washed all the disciples' feet and still let all the disciples eat the Last Supper. He knew who Judas was and he washed his feet anyway and he invited him in to eat. And I think he knew that Judas was going to betray him. I think about why he didn't say something, why, why he didn't do something. And then I remember that Judas is me. And he didn't leave Judas. He doesn't leave me. And he doesn't leave you. So I want to just continue in thanking the Lord. Proclaim Jesus paid it all. I hear the Savior say, thy strength.
Can we just make a whole, guys, can we make a holy ruckus in the house this morning? Jesus is alive. Come on now. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is alive. here. I don't get to do this very often, so I'm going to take advantage of it and tell you a lame Easter dad joke. And you can boo me off the stage. That's okay. My wife says that I'm a terrible joke teller and that I can never get to the punchline quick enough. So, So, what do you call a line of Easter bunnies marching backwards? A receding hairline. Come on. I actually laughed when I read it. <laughs> All I can say is that our job is to make you feel better about yourself. So good morning. We're glad you're Hopefully here. Hopefully you do. <laughs> As if we can make it feel less awkward because I know that 
Some of you are sitting here and you're like, this is the first time I've sat down in the last four or five hours today and I'm here and my kids may or may not have eaten something this morning on the way to church, but I'm clothed, I'm alive. What more do you want to ask of me, right? Jesus is alive. We're going to celebrate him this morning. And so uh, we're just going to share a few things. At this point, if you pass the folders down the rows, we appreciate that. If you're here for the first time, guys, it is a privilege. It's, in fact, we were talking about it last night. One of my favorite things is seeing someone for the first time step into these doors. And today might be number one for somebody, period. They've never been to church before. And so, guys, what a great privilege it is to share the space with you. Yeah, so whether it's your first time here or uh, you've been here for a long time, we're just going to brush you up on some of the things that we have or offer to you some of the things that we uh, we have in store here. So the first thing is nursery, ages zero to two. And there's a whole bunch of volunteers downstairs, super safe and secure. And they have a cool way to get in contact with you so that you can communicate with them if there's anything going on. But that gives you the opportunity to come up here and hear my lame jokes. <laughs> no, it's their great environments downstairs. I have four kids in all the different age groups and soon... Before I know it, I'll have kids in student ministry. But children's ministry, uh, that's our pre-K through second grade and third and fourth grade. And all I can say is I've talked to some of those teachers, and they'll come out of there, and they pray for those kids. And so you're in great hands, a wonderful environment. I highly encourage you to, to check out more information on our website with children's ministry. But, guys, it's a, those are great environments. And all I want to say is our children's ministry is growing, and things are exciting. And all I can say is our student ministry is hopping because it's Easter, and I'm allowed to tell dad jokes, people. Come on. <laughs> Zach, tell us a little about student ministry. Okay, so student ministry, uh, Eric hosts that. Hosts that? That was earlier. Eric leads that. He's the student ministry pastor. Eric in the house. And hey Eric's the man and all the volunteers that are with him. Yeah, come on, come on. So um, he's got something great going on uh, typically every week except for today because we all want to be together. And so uh, there's a gathering over there, lots of kids and fun and all the stuff that Eric brings, he's awesome. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, student ministry at the 930 service, the first service that we have on Sunday. Yeah, that's good stuff. And also, too, I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are joining us online. We, have, we stream our online service every every weekend at 11 a.m., and so we have a killer video team in the back. Can we just raise up our video team? They're doing a great job. Yes, they are. Yep. Yeah. But uh, we are humbled at what God's doing here. And, uh, and so I want to just put up a slide. We have one of our college students who is away currently in Ecuador with her team um, from school, from Word of Life. And so we're going to pray for Hannah Ford as we receive this uh, offering. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive this morning's offering. And, and guys, uh, as, we, uh, as we pray for Hannah and pray for everybody else that's got, going, got stuff going on this morning and, and serving and away with family and traveling. And, and we know you guys have stuff too. And uh, I just want to remind us, our mission here is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We do that locally, nationally, and internationally. And so we're praying for Hannah and her team in Ecuador. And guys, if you're new with us the first time today, please feel free to let the play pass. This is for those who call this church their home. Um, and, and you're welcome to participate. And so we just counted a privilege that you share the space with us this morning. So let's go before the Lord and ask him to continue to move this morning. Jesus, we love you, and we are humbled to know that you are alive, that you are king, and that you call us your own. God, as we just sang songs that just proclaim you as king, that you have defeated death, and that you are risen and alive and active, and that you are a personal God, that you want to know us in a deep way, and that you are pursuing us, that you kick down the walls of our hearts to get to us. 
And so God, as we give of our finances now and as we continue to move in this in this gathering, in this service, God, I pray that you would speak to those that are here and that maybe somebody for the first time is gonna say yes to you, to follow you, and that they would rest for the first time in their life, they would rest in your love, rest in the peace of knowing you. Jesus, you are the priority and we love you. And we're humbled to know you're here with us. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. So one of the things that we love um, to do here at Crossroads is to try to make these, you know, these, these big days just really special. And so one of the things that has really been stirring in our hearts really over the last year is just the, the, the language that God has given our culture here at Crossroads. It's unique and, and our mission isn't necessarily any different than any church in, in the world, but we feel like what God's doing here at Crossroads is unique. And, uh, and so this, this song has really risen up out of our church, you know, whether it was hearing Pastor Ken share through the message or just words that we've heard from our leaders here. But one of the things I wanted Zach just to share about is kind of the process of, of what this, how the song came about and, to, and just to really share that with you all this morning. Yeah, so we really wanted to have a song that people could hear for the first time, whether they knew God or not, and understand what it meant. So all the way from creation's story, and then we praise God for it, and then his son Jesus and how he came to earth and how he died. We praise God for it. And then um, in the bridge, we talk about what God's done for us. And uh, we, we say often that he knew us before we were in the even in the womb. And that comes out in some of the verbiage that we use in the song. So I'm really excited because this is something that um, we wrote it together, really. This is all language that we use, and this is your song, too, and so I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and, and so and so, what I love is the, this song is going to communicate the heart and beat and pulse of our congregation, of our church, and so this is your song. This is a song that we pray that God continues to use to, to bless our church and those who come and enter our doors, but as we, as we take in this song, my encouragement to you all is just to take in every moment as you talk about the creation of the world and how God has been there since the beginning. And then we hear about Jesus's life and then we hear how he's defeated death on the cross and now he lives in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so I just want us to all take it in, take it every moment and as you feel led just to sing out or just soak it all in. But I'm excited to make this song, um, just, to, and just to title it out today and just to show it. And uh, I, I just pray it's gonna do big work through you guys. Just take it in. Destiny, I know you're there. 
praise your name forevermore you will reign holy is the lord worthy is your name almighty god forever
glad to be here this Easter morning. Let's thank our God, man. What a great God. Uh, how exciting is that 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 song was only sung here? No other church could sing that on Easter because nobody else knew it. They wrote it, and we thank God for that, that that was homegrown. Can we just thank God what he's doing in our church? It's Easter morning, and uh, as you're thinking about Easter, you're thinking about the events of the day. Some of you are thinking about dinner already. You're thinking about uh, all kind of things. And I want to remind you that Easter is one of those days that is truly a holiday in our country. And I researched, and it said, uh, I found out that $18.4 billion will be spent on Easter. $18.4 billion. That's a lot of money. And I've contributed to that. Um, it's called Reese's Peanut Butter Eggs. Okay, I have been eating Reese's peanut butter eggs since they put away the Reese's peanut butter trees. I just want you to know that. They got rid of them on the 28th of December, and I started on January the 3rd with the eggs, you know? I'm like, they don't even give it a break anymore, you know? Could we have a chocolate heart in between? But they go right to the eggs, and anyhow, that's a, that's a highly spiritual note there, right? But I want, you, I want you to know that Easter is such a great time, and, and for me, I love Easter. Easter is like my favorite day of the year because it's the day that we get to celebrate the resurrected Lord. And I always tell people I celebrate Easter every Sunday. It's in our music. You'll hear in our music. I want you over the next six to eight weeks to, as you're listening to the music, I want you to start and identify every time you hear Jesus died and rose again. You will hear it over and over and over. Why? Because that's our message. That is what we are all about. And uh, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we really have a problem. There would be no need for us to gather. We wouldn't, you would have no energy to gather. There would be no need for missions trips. There would be no need for any of this because we'd have no hope. And I want you to remember that the first Easter wasn't as happy as this Easter. Because on that very first Easter, whenever Mary Magdalene went down to the tomb, they didn't know that the body was going to be not there. They didn't know that Jesus was going to be risen. We look at it and we say, wow, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And we, and we get all excited. And, and, and for us, it's like, yeah, we're going to go get an Easter lily. And we're, we're going to have this big dinner. We're going to have this big celebration. But I want you to remember what was going on in the mind of the disciples. They were remembering the entire week. They went through Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday was one of the highest days of their life. They had been with Jesus for three years. And as Jesus was, uh, was healing people and he was turning water into wine, he would take the loaves and the fishes and divide them and, and take a small lunch and feed 5,000 people. And of all the things they watched him do, they never imagined, they could not see that he was going to have to die. They did not see that uh, on Palm Sunday as he came in, they knew there was tension. They knew that the religious leaders were out to get him. Uh, and they were a little hesitant to go into Jerusalem as, as they were getting close to Palm Sunday. But Jesus goes in on a donkey on Palm Sunday, humble and lowly. And the crowd, there's millions of people, nearly three million people have gathered to Jerusalem for this moment. And it was, the, it was called Passover, and Jesus was coming in. And, and as he's coming in on the donkey, and last week we looked at Palm, at Palm Sunday, it was foretold 500 years earlier that, behold, your king is coming lowly on a donkey, and Jesus was presenting the king. And not only was Jesus presenting the king, but he was presenting his sacrifice. And, and they didn't understand it. This was the day, Palm Sunday was the day that, uh, that people would go and choose their lamb. For the sacrificial system. The Jewish people had the sacrificial system. They would have to take a lamb into the temple and they would slaughter the lamb. And it had been a sign for thousands of years from the time that God freed the people, the people of Israel from Egypt. 
And he had told them about the Passover and, and there was blood on the doorpost. They said uh, on, on the very first Passover, they had to put blood on the doorpost, on the top and on the sides of the doorpost. And as they put the blood on the top and the sides of the doorpost, they, uh, it, it would, it, the death angel would pass over them. And little did they understand that Jesus would be the Passover lamb, that the blood of Jesus would be your covering and that God would pass over your sin because it is covered completely immersed in the blood of Jesus. Can we thank God for that this morning? But may I share with you that on that Easter morning, they weren't thinking about that. It wasn't on their mind. They weren't saying, wow, Jesus paid it all. They were saying, we remember. We remember Good Friday, and it wasn't good for them. They were saying, we remember whenever they took our Lord and, and my Sunday was so good and we thought it was going to be this, this great day and we thought that Jesus was going to come and he was going to, he, he, he was going to be the king and, that, and then we're going to be part of history. We're going to see these things that were foretold in our scriptures. We were going to see them come to reality. And as they were thinking that, they never saw that, that one of them would betray them. They never saw that Judas would go betray him. They, they, they couldn't see it. They did not know. And, and on Easter morning, Mary Magdalene, that she's going to the tomb, you know what's in her mind? She remembers the crown of thorns that they put on the head of Jesus and how they stuck that crown of thorns in. And as they stuck it, the blood come running down his face. You know what was in her mind? Her mind was when Jesus was hanging on the cross for six hours on Friday, when his hands were nailed to the cross, and, 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 and hand, hands nailed to the cross, either hand, both hands, and then both feet nailed to the cross, and they watched him suffer in agony. They watched this emaciated man who was just dying in front of them. They could not believe this was happening. And then they watched him. They watched him cry out, It is finished! And whenever they thought, whenever they heard him say it is finished, they didn't understand that he was saying that what was finished was that your sins were to be paid for. They were saying he's not, he's not alive. It's done. They, they, they saw the crown of thorns. They saw the blood. They saw it all. And it wasn't until later on that it all came together. It wasn't until later on that they could see it. And I'll tell you what happened, folks. On that Friday, on Good Friday, they took Jesus off the cross at 3 o'clock when he was dead. And they took him and they put him in a tomb. And they had to get it done quickly because Sabbath was about to begin. So at the sun, sundown, Sabbath would begin. So they had to get Jesus, and they had to take him off the cross. And, and Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a part of the Sanhedrin, and Nicodemus, who was also part of the Sanhedrin, these guys were like secret followers, secret questioners. You know, they were like part of their gang, and they were afraid to break loose and really follow this man, Jesus. But they had a lot of questions, and they really liked what they heard, and they kept questioning him. Jesus of... Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they come together and, uh, and, and they take the body of Jesus and Mary Magdalene watch, Mary watch, the disciples watch, and they take Jesus to Joseph's tomb. Joseph was a rich man and he had a tomb. And so they, they buried Jesus in the tomb. They, they put him in there and gave him a proper burial. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and then Mary Magdalene, she's coming down on Easter Sunday morning. And you know what she's not thinking about? She's not thinking that the grave is going to be empty. She's thinking about the crown of thorns, how they flogged her master. She's thinking that he's dead. And she's saying there's no hope. She's saying all hope is gone. All hope is lost. 
we, we just never thought it would end this way. Did you ever think about life like that? We just never thought it would be this way. I mean, we thought he was going to be the king. We thought we would, we would be the ones who, who would be in his court. We would be the ones who would be helping him. We'd be, we were going to be at the highest place of serving the king. And now our king is dead. And so on Easter morning, I want to take you over to the passage this morning. And over here in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. You know what they were doing? They were, they were prepared to treat a dead body. They were prepared to continue the embalming process because it happened so fast. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, these two guys, they get him off the cross. They have very short time till sundown to get him in the tomb, and they do a, they do a what I would refer to as a quick embalming. They take their linens and they wrap them in linen. There's some spice on it, but you know it's just it, you know it's not done quite to the ladies, you know how the ladies would do it, right? And so these ladies come down and they're thinking. And listen, this was part of how how that they would do it. They come back and treat it. That's why they were in a tomb. But it was a rich man's tomb, and so he got to be in there. And, and, the, and the tomb was on the outside of the city. They wouldn't bury on the inside of the city. And, and so it, it's, just, it's this kind of wild thing here. It says that, uh, that they might come to anoint him, and so they were doing what they would normally do to a dead people because why? They're in shock. They're not ready. They have no comprehension that he is alive. It's Easter Sunday morning. There's no peanut butter eggs. There's no lilies. There's no dresses and Nice little ties. It's all hope is gone. Hope is lost. How are we going to make it? I want you to think about that. If you've ever lost a loved one, you, you understand that. When somebody dies in your family, there's this grieving process that automatically and instantly kicks in, right? I'll never forget the day we lost my brother. And, and I'll tell you what, we, I remember sitting at my mom's house, and we, were, we just were there. And we were there for hours. And then the hours became days. And it's like... People bring food over to you, but you really didn't want to eat because you're just so consumed with grief. And it's just like you had all this, and you're just sitting there, and you keep saying, why? Why? If only, and why? And this is where the disciples were, the followers, the closest followers of Jesus. I want to remind you that on Good Friday, that night they went home after Jesus was buried, and they said, why? What? How did this happen? That Saturday, they spend the whole day. It's the, it's the Sabbath. They're not allowed to work. They can't even go down to treat the body. And they're questioning, why? Why? How could this happen? They're, they're, they're not sitting here and saying, okay, at exactly 9 a.m. Easter Sunday, he's coming out. There was no TV cameras there waiting for Jesus to come out of the grave. They have lost all hope. And I want to show you this morning that Jesus gives hope. Uh, not verse number two there says, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. So just at the crack of dawn, they're coming down. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Uh, when Jesus was buried, there was a, a, a stone was rolled in front of the door of the tomb. It says, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large. I have a picture here. This is called the garden tomb from, uh, from Israel. Uh, if you go over and you take a tour in Israel today, you will, you will get a tour of this, and they, they will tell you that they believe that this is the tomb that Jesus was actually buried in, where Jesus was laid in for Good Friday, Saturday, till Easter Sunday. 
Uh, they, they will tell you that this was the tomb. And, and you'll notice there's a door, and then there's like a little window on, on, on the, on, off to the right there. You'll see that little window. And I've often seen that picture, and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Why do you need a window in a tomb? And so they, they had this thing. There was a, the, the Jewish people had this thing. And it wasn't, wasn't a biblical idea, but it was a Jewish idea. It was kind of uh, folklore, tradition, if you will, that uh, whenever you buried somebody, that the soul would stick around for a couple days. And so that little window on there was known as a soul window. Could you imagine that? Now, can you thank God that we don't have to believe stuff like that, you know? God, listen, that's why Paul, when Paul said, absent from the body, present with the Lord, that's why. People in that culture, they understood the little soul window. And they said, oh, you know, no, Paul, Paul clears that up. Paul says, when you're gone, you're gone. Uh, there's no hanging around for a couple days. Thank God. Aren't you thankful for that? Can we thank God that he is alive, that, that he is taking care of that for us this morning? Just thank him. So, so when Mary Magdalene came down, they remember the stone that was rolled in front of the door. And here's what happened. They rolled the stone in front of the door, and the Scriptures tell us that the stone even had, they put a seal on it, they put a seal on it. They even had guards. There was guards that would change every four hours because the authorities just didn't want to hear somebody make up a story that he was alive. They knew Jesus had said, he had predicted, he said, destroy this temple, and three days later I will, I will rebuild it. I'll rise again. And he was talking about his temple, the, the body. They thought he was talking about the, the, the temple, like he was going to level the temple in three days. So they had all these suspicions, and, and the local authorities said, we're not going to let them come up with some crazy story because they're going to steal his body. And as, as, you, as we understand what happened, we look at the history of it, the stone was put in front of there. And Mary and, and, uh, Mary and these ladies, Mary Magdalene and Mary and Salome, they're coming down to anoint the body and do what you would do with a dead body. And that would be part of the grieving process, part of the treatment process of the body. And, uh, and they're saying, who is going to move away the stone? Uh, the, the Jewish people today, if you go over there and you take a tour, your tour guide will tell you that through that window, there's a ray of light that comes down. And that Mary, as, they, as these ladies came in on that first Easter Sunday, the very first thing that they could see was the light shining through that window. And that light would shine through that little vent window type of thing and would show that that tomb was empty. Now, look here. He says, but uh, they, they said, how are we going to move this stone? So they get down there, and their stone is rolled away. I want you to understand something, folks. The angel came to move the stone, not so Jesus could get out, but so that the ladies could get in. You got that? Gee, let's thank God for that. He did not move the stone for him to get out, but for the ladies to get in. Now, check this out. His body's glorified. You'll see he, later on he, he shows up and he makes appearances at random places. Uh, he did not need that stone to be moved. The stone was moved so that we could see in and see this empty grave. But I want you to catch this here. Luke 24, 3 says that when the women went in, they did not find the body. Uh, the, 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 there was no body to be found. The disciples, in your notes this morning, the disciples were not looking for an empty tomb. They did not come expecting God to do this. God caught them off guard. God did something that was so unexpected, and that was to raise Jesus from the dead. And why was it so unexpected? Because how many funerals have you been to, and how many of them have come back to life? Have you ever gone to a funeral, and next week they come and show up at your house? You know? Listen, if they do, I'm out of here. 
right? I'm telling you, if my dad shows up, I'm gone, all right? I love my dad, but, you know, I know, I know better. And, and this is what happened. These people, they hear that they're, they're, they're not ready for this. They don't think that he's coming alive. They want, and it says that they bought spices to continue the grieving process. Mark 16, 5, continuing in our text. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man in a long white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. So, so they see that the body is gone, but they see this man in a long white robe. And they're alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. Don't you love that? Scripture always said, you know, you'll see they're afraid. And then Jesus says, don't be afraid. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Uh, I want you to catch that because sometimes I think that's easier said than done, isn't it? Sometimes it is. But when God is with you, he takes the fear away. Now, check this out. He says, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they have laid him. Um, so, so at this point, that's where I always say, oh, yeah, they ran out and said, he's alive. He's alive. At least that's the way it works in our plays, right? And that's the way it works when you watch the television dramas and all that. And, and, uh, but, but I'll tell you what. Look what it says. He continues. He says, verse 7, go tell his disciples and Peter. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> his disciples and Peter. <laughs> why, why Peter? Because Peter denied him. Why didn't he just say, go tell his disciples? He says, tell his disciples and Peter. God, Jesus told Peter he would deny him three times. And just before he dies, he denies him three times. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him, and as he said to you. Verse 8, so they went out quickly, and they fled from the tomb, for they were trembled, they were amazed, and yet they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. They were afraid. Why were they afraid, folks? Because dead people don't come back to life. They had watched Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but that was the only person they knew that could bring somebody back to life. There was not somebody else that they could bring to Jesus' tomb and say, come forth, Jesus. That is why they were alarmed. It was, it was fear. And at this point, I would venture to say, at this point, Mary Magdalene is confused. She doesn't totally understand it. As a matter of fact, if you read further into, into uh, Mark chapter 16, you'll see it isn't until she meets Jesus face to face that she really understands it. Why? Because these were eyewitnesses. So when Mary Magdalene finally comes in, she has that confrontation. She sees Jesus. She recognizes his voice. And she says, it is him. This is who he is. Look at John 20, verse 2. She ran, and uh, then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to him, said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. Somebody's taken him. We don't, we don't understand what's going on. Luke 24, 11 says, but they did not believe the woman because these words seemed like nonsense to them. And so, folks, here, here's what happened. Easter Sunday morning, it was not the Easter Sunday morning that you've had. You've been thinking about this all week. You've been thinking about what your day is going to be like. For them, it was a moment of grief, and they are still remembering the Lamb of God who paid the sin, who paid your sin, who paid my sin, who paid their sin. They are remembering the sacrifice. And now they're coming, and God is unveiling to them. And as, they, as Jesus comes and makes these appearances, they become the eyewitnesses to the resurrected king. 
the, uh, the empty tomb is not enough evidence. It was the eyewitness. Do you catch that? Empty tomb. You can go remove a body from any tomb, but you can't make just any body that was dead alive. And so whenever they saw this dead body become alive and they talked to him, it changed their life and they want like wildfire. Do you realize that the Apostle Paul said that Jesus was seen of more than 500 people? There were more than 500 eyewitnesses. How many eyewitnesses do you need to know something's true? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these are compilations. Luke goes around and he compiles all the eyewitness accounts. And if you go through and you read the book of Luke, you see all these eyewitness accounts come out in the scripture. It was whenever they saw this risen Lord and the movement started and it went like wildfire. Why? Because it was not an event. It was an experience with the person of Jesus Christ. You see, folks, I think many people in our churches, in our world today, know the event of Easter, but how many of them understand the experience of Easter? And the experience of Easter this morning, folks, is to have a personal relationship with the risen Lord. Um, Listen, uh, whenever John uh, finally gets to see Jesus, when Peter finally gets to see Jesus, everything clicks together. Uh, Luke 24, 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Look over in John 20, 19, the same day at evening. So here they are. Remember, at the evening, being the first day of the week, the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jewish leaders. It's evening. These things, have, they find the empty tomb, but it isn't till they find the risen Lord. Check it out. Jesus now came and stood in their midst and he said, peace be with you. And then if you read further, it says that they gave him broiled fish. Thank God for broiled fish, amen? (laughs) I mean, listen, they had a meal. Not only did they see him, they had a meal with him. Peter goes out and he's on the beach. He has, he has a breakfast. You, you read about Peter's experience. He has breakfast with him. Listen, this is whenever, whenever they met the risen Lord. It changed everything. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to meet the risen Lord because the resurrection changes everything. That's the second point in your notes this morning. The resurrection changes everything. There are dead parts of your life that God wants to bring alive. And when you understand that Jesus has the resurrection power and it can transform your life. You see, here's the difference. Most people will come to Easter and they'll end the message right where we just ended. Oh, he is risen indeed. Let's go have lunch. But there's more to the story, folks. You cannot. The the resurrection demands a response. Either you respond to it. Yes, he is the risen Lord and I give my life to it because that's who he is. Or you respond by no, I want nothing to do with it. And you say, well, there's got to be something in between. Well, listen, a a vote yes or a vote no, there's nothing in between. You can't say, well, you know, if I am, uh, I'm just kind of in here. Look, if you're still questioning, it's okay. Continue the questioning process. 
Jesus wasn't afraid of the questioning. Uh, on, on Easter morning, Mary Magdalene didn't get it right away. John didn't get it right away. Peter didn't get it right away. Thomas, it took him a lot longer to get it, right? And God never was upset with Thomas over all his doubts, over all his questions. He saw that, hey, here was a need, and I am going to bring them along the journey because that's the kind of God we serve. Um, look here. He's, Paul says here in Romans eight eleven. he says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus. Read this with me. Let's read it out loud. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Here's what he says. The same, the same power. Now, would you say there was power to raise a dead man? Would you say that when Jesus' body that had been emaciated, had been beaten beyond recognition, whenever he's laying in the tomb, that body is wrapped in linen and there is no breath. Listen, people have tried to come up with, there's theories that people have tried to come up with. There's a swoon theory that the cool of the evening rekindled the body. Listen, if you could understand what happened to this body, there's no way that the cool of the evening is going to bring back a dead man. Uh, the, the, it, was, it was documented. He was dead, dead, dead. And he's in that tomb, and the power of God comes to this body and raises Jesus back from the dead. Because Jesus was not there to say, come forth. God the Father said, come forth. And God the Father says, come forth. And listen, if that is the kind of power that you want in your life, I want to invite you today to have that kind of power because you're dealing with dead situations, dead situations. What are some dead situations? Family relationships. They get dead. And what happens when things get dead? We tend to smell. And we tend, what what do we do around dead people? We try to look at them and stare at them, and then we put them away. And it's like, you know what? God wants to bring life to those relationships that are just decaying. How, how, about, the, uh, how about some, some uh, other areas of your life? How, how about forgiveness and unforgiveness? These areas that, that just create bitterness inside of us. And you say, this is an impossible situation. I can't believe that this person or my relative or my husband or wife, and you can't believe that these situations. And you say, we never thought this would happen. Folks, The disciples never thought this would happen. But you know what Jesus did in their moment of of hopelessness? He comes and he brings life. And the fact that they didn't understand it right away on Easter morning uh, did not change the fact that Jesus was still alive. And he is still alive. Whether I understand it or not, he is alive, folks. And so this morning, I want, I want to bring you into a relationship with that God. Because the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to close the gap between the life that you are living and the life that you could live. Read that with me. The resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to close the gap between the life you are living and the life you could live. In other words, listen, you go out and you try to figure out life and life is broken and life is empty. We go and you, listen, we're just human. We're just trying to figure this out. Aren't you supposed to get a good job and you're supposed to do well? But folks, that job and doing well doesn't produce. It is so empty. 
Uh, you, you say, well, aren't I, aren't I supposed to go out and, and do the best that I can with my family and, and all these areas? Yes. But that doesn't produce. Listen, there's something that's missing. The life that you could have with the resurrection power gives you the ability to face the worst of circumstances, to let the rock-bottom situations come into your life. And then the power of resurrection comes into your life. And those circumstances may not change. But what changes is your heart. What changes is you have the power now to live you give God give you the energy. He gives you what you need because that same power that rose Jesus from the dead. What if we could take and apply that and pray for situations in our life, for people? God, please, God, please take and give them the resurrection power. And you know why? I've been following God for 30, 40 years. And may I tell you that the resurrection power has been within this man for 30, 40 years and how many times I've walked away from situations and tried to do it in my own strength. How many times have I tried to solve family relationships? Oh, you try to solve a family relationship in your own strength. Let me tell you, that don't work, folks. I don't know, maybe your family's much kinder. <laughs> that don't work. Uh, you know, you don't go to your brother-in-law or your mother-in-law or anybody like that and say, well, you know, I think you should do it differently. They'll tell you exactly how differently you should do it. You need the resurrection power that will change that situation. You need the resurrection power that will change your job. Resurrection power that will change your addictions. Man, we, we put on handcuffs every day and we go into addictions. And, and God says, you don't have to go there anymore. I've come so that that resurrection power can change your life and you can have the life that I want you to have, not what you can muster up on your own. Folks, I want to I share with you that you know, the, the Scripture is just filled with people that, uh, that understood this because Easter is death working backwards. C.S. Lewis made this great quote, Easter is death working backwards. And you know, when, 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 you, when you were born, you were a little kid, you had all the energy that you ever needed, right? <laughs> Some of you parents know exactly what I'm talking about. You haven't slept in a month. And so it's just like, wow, you see all that energy. But now I have, uh, you know, at 50 years old, I have a lot less energy than I did when I was five. And I know that by walking up a pair of steps today, okay? It's just amazing how that happens. And the closer I get to death, the less I have of energy. The resurrection, Easter is death working backwards. Jesus was dead. He raised to new life. He was risen, seen by more than 500 eyewitnesses. He is alive. And if you would have met a dead man who came back to life, you couldn't shut up about it. You just couldn't shut up about it. And you know what I want to tell you? If you trusted Christ, you've met a dead man who came back to life. And I'm going to tell you, don't shut up about it. Don't ever shut up about it. Um, th- this morning, I've asked, I've asked one of our ladies in the church to come and to share her story because her life has been changed by the resurrection. She has the same power that was in Jesus Christ, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is living in her. Would you welcome Amanda Collier to the stage this morning? I'm going to ask her to help share her story. Amanda, we'll put that over there. Amanda is one of our young moms in the church, and uh, she just started coming this past year. And uh, a few weeks ago, she, she said, Pastor, I have some questions, and, and called up, and she made an appointment. She came in and shared with, shared with us her story. And I said, wow, this is just so powerful. So we're going to start. Amanda, tell us uh, a little bit about how, um, 
uh, how you found, uh, how, what was your life like before you found the Lord? All right. Um, well, my life was dark to be completely honest. It was, um, my anxiety was at all time high. I was told that I wasn't handling stress right or well. Um, I was tired. I was depressed and I just kept spinning my wheels and spinning and spinning, and I just couldn't gain any traction. What I was doing wasn't working, and I didn't know what I was missing. And um, I was failing as a mom, as a wife. I was failing as a business owner, as a daughter. I just, it, nothing was working. And, uh, and so she, she came in here, and... Um this was around August, September time, mm-hmm. right? And uh, your husband is overseas, right? Correct. So he's in the military. So she, we'll put up her picture here with her son. She has this little son she brings in. His name is Colt. Can we just thank God? Look how precious he is, huh? Man, a day. And so she wandered in our doors, and life is in broken condition and broken pain. And just, and, you know, she found us on the internet. Tell, tell right. about how you found the church and how that all happened. So in August, um, my husband deployed and I wasn't handling it well. It was, it'd been seven years since I had to send him off. And, um, the first time as a, you know, a family, we built a life together and I just, I wasn't handling it well. Um, and he didn't handle it well. The separation of leaving his family for the first time and not just leaving, you know, just himself, um, he wasn't handling it well and even made mention of the word divorce. And um, during that time, my son was struggling with a huge speech um, development issue. I felt like I was failing as a mom, that I should have caught it sooner. I should have gotten help sooner. Um, and then in about a week and a half after all of that was happening, um, my grandmother, uh, who the December prior was diagnosed with cancer, and she was free of cancer in June, we got the call that she only had days to live. And I remember sitting in the car and pretty much dropping to my knees and not knowing where to turn and what to do. And it was my mother-in-law and some neighbors who turned to me and said, I think that God is trying to get your attention. And I said, well, I've got nowhere else to go. So I found Crossroads. My mother-in-law is up in New Hampshire and she got online and she said, I think you should give this place a shot. And I emailed Nancy Baker um, to answer some questions about the Bible study on Wednesday night. Because my mother-in-law just kept saying, you need a good Bible study. So I showed up on Wednesday night after Nancy answered some questions of mine. She was surprised to even see my face. <laughs> um, Pastor Ken, you said that it it's not like I showed up on Sunday and sat in the back and kind of left early. No, I showed up right there, front row, front and center. I wanted change. <laughs> and um, so, I, so I came back the next week and the week after that. And then it was one Sunday. It was a few weeks. attended Bible study for a few weeks. And then I showed up at church. And um, everyone here 
kind of knew my face. I was a new face, and I got hellos. I got welcomes. I didn't know anyone, but they all knew me, and it just made me feel like home, and this is where we should be. Um, and it was after attending church for a few times that Pastor Ken asked something that he asks pretty often, and if you want to give your life to Jesus and have a relationship with him, raise your hand. And I was sitting right over there, and I rose my hand. And, and ever since that day, God has done miraculous things in my life. He has saved my marriage. <laughs> he, has, he has helped my son so much. He is reciting scripture. He went from, I'm sorry, not speaking well to people can't really understanding him to reciting scripture now. Every week is something new downstairs. Um, he has mended relationships. He has he has just done wonderful things, and it was because I stopped and said, God, I'm not doing it right. Take the wheel. Like, I don't, I prayed to him so many times that, you know what, if my plan isn't your plan, that's okay. I, I just need some help, and he did that. He helped me. Amen. Can we just thank God for that today? Folks, this is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, came to Amanda Collier and resurrected dead parts of her life. She's, her mother-in-law says, find this church. She just didn't know Crossroads. She didn't know me. I've never met any of these folks before. And says, you're very close to this church. I think that you ought to drive in. And so she does. She comes in on Wednesday night. Folks, nobody comes Wednesday night, right? Yeah. <laughs> All of you better be here this week on Wednesday night. uh, Listen, Nancy Baker told me, hey, this lady got a hold of us online, and she wants to come to my Bible study. But, you know, she probably won't come because it's just online, right? (laughs) And she walked in the door, and her life began to get changed. The power of God drew her into this place. And you started to get to know her name. And God used you people. God just, listen, you say hi to somebody in the hallway, you're smiling. And, and then, listen, I'll never forget, she sat right, she said, right over here, right to my left. And I, I, I said, look, if you would like to trust Jesus and make this personal, raise your hand uh, if you have just prayed with me. And you know what she did? She prayed that day and she raised her hand and she started this relationship with God. And you know what happened this Pat? Why don't you tell them what happened Wednesday night? And we're gearing up for another military move here in a month. And before I left, I wanted to get baptized here at Crossroads because it was all of you. It was the congregation. It was what I experienced here that made it special. And I wanted to do that before I left. So this was a huge piece of my puzzle. She, made, she went public with her faith. See, baptism is an outward sign of an inward decision. So her ladies group, we'll put up the next picture of her ladies group that Nancy thought nobody was going to come to this year. Look at them. They're full. There's tons of women coming to this thing. And, and you can see Amanda's the wet one in the picture there, okay? 
Um, they, we baptized her on Wednesday night, and all these women came up and crowded around the baptistry up here, and it was the most awesome time that I can remember. If you want to see her baptism, you go on Facebook, go to the Crossroads page and look it up, and give her a comment. Say, hey, way to go, because it's the same power that rose Jesus from dead. Her life is transformed. She told me her little son coming home. What's the verse he was memorizing? It was Palms 139, 14. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. Isn't that awesome? I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. And what did he tell you? God? God loves me. Jesus loves me. <laughs> I said, yes, he does, buddy. He Can we thank me. God for that? What the, this is the power of God. So, so God's moving them, a military move. They'll be moving in May. And, you know, this is so hard because, because we've been part of the journey. And what did you tell me you're going to do with that, with that group you, you've asked them to do? Um, I'm going to FaceTime in on Wednesday nights still and attend Bible study in the fall. And uh, I'll watch online if I don't find a church that kind of fits the, my piece like here does. Folks, and that's all of you. <laughs> she's going to FaceTime in to keep growing. Can we say God is alive? Amen. That is the power of Jesus Christ. So today I want to give you an opportunity just like Amanda. That day I gave Amanda that opportunity. We gave, there were many people and you know, many people this morning have already given their life to Christ. They have trusted Jesus as their savior. And today I want to ask you, if you believe that this Jesus is risen, it demands a response from you. He says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amanda, is that what you've done? I did. All right. She's trusted Christ and she's made her confession to you today. She's been telling people everywhere that God has changed her life. The church didn't change anybody's life. God changed her life. And that is what's happening. I want to give you the opportunity today to let the same power that raised Jesus from the grave into your life and into your heart. Can we just thank Amanda as, uh, as we close our service? Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you today. If you will just come and open your heart to Jesus Christ. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It is not, hey, if you join the church or if you give your money. No, no. It is if you will believe that Jesus rose him from the dead. That God rose Jesus from the dead. If you will put your trust in that, he'll change your life today. God will do it. And I want to ask you this morning to come before the almighty king of kings and humble yourself. And just like Amanda did, she said, God, I'm giving you the control. I'm handing it over to you right now. And if that's you, you say, Pastor Ken, this Easter morning, I'm ready. I want to trust Jesus as my personal Savior. If that's you, would you just pray with me right now? Just repeat this prayer after me. Repeat it to God because this is the day your life is getting transformed. And folks, if you're, if you're not praying this with me today, would you pray for those who are? And let's just lift up to the Lord. And so if you're saying, Pastor Ken, I'm trusting Christ as my personal Savior. I want to do this. Just quietly pray this prayer after me to the Lord. Pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I come to you. I'm a sinner. And I give you my brokenness right now. If I got what I deserved, 
I'd be separated from you forever. But you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You said it was finished. You were buried. You rose again. And you are the ever-living Savior. Jesus, I invite you into my life right here, right now. With our heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'd like to just remember you in prayer. If you say, Pastor Ken, I just prayed with you this morning. I mean business. I'm giving God to control my life. Would you just raise your hand up and down, and I'll remember you in a closing prayer. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? God bless you. God bless you all over this place. God bless you in the back, up in the balcony. God bless you all over this place. God is changing lives, folks. This is how it happens. It is Jesus Christ just stepped into lives. And folks, maybe you've been following Christ for some time and you say, well, gee, I am not, I don't have that power in my life. I want to invite you to come back to him. Maybe you've been doing life on your own for a while. God says, just surrender to me. Would you surrender to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords today and just say, God, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need your power. You're facing some dead-end situations. I don't know what you're facing, but God does. And he says, I'll bring life into those mortal bodies. I'll bring life into those deadly situations. God will do his work. Father God, be with each one in here that just opened their heart to you, Lord. I thank you for the many people this Easter weekend, Lord, on Good Friday, at our Saturday service, at our 9.30, and now at our 11 o'clock service, Lord. For those that are watching online, Lord, I pray for those that are online, watching all over the country, Lord, that have opened their heart to Jesus Christ. God, I pray for breakthroughs. I pray for spiritual breakthroughs. God, if you raised from the dead, and you did, then you promise that you'll give us that same power to accomplish the life that you've called us to do. Lord, be with us as we move forward. Lord, we're going to be talking in the days to come about a disciple, how to be a disciple, Lord. I pray you'll be with each person in this room and bring us back as we continue this journey. For the disciples, we saw the beginning of their journey and and how that they made it all the way through the life that you've called them to. God, I pray you'll help us as we as a church go on a journey of how to truly be a disciple, Lord. Do your work as only you can do. Can we just rejoice this morning for all those that have opened their heart to Jesus? Let's, let's thank our great God this morning. Yeah, come on, stand up and sing. You gave your son to all. Die.